0: With the heavens, let's all stand together. Jesus, we... Won Lord, the victory is already yours. We stand in a position already victorious. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit until I make your enemies your footstool. Now we stand in a place of victory.
1: Oh, we have victory. We have victory now,
0: victory over every circumstance and every problem, the victory,
1: we have victory now. Yeah.
2: we were praying I kept hearing this uh, or getting this feeling or and it was pretty much how would you fight if your enemy was already under your feet and um, if you already won if there was nothing to, in a sense if there was nothing to tear down how would you fight And I kept feeling for myself. Oh, okay. So then, the fight is more: Do I believe that the enemy is under my feet? Lord, I believe you. I believe that principalities, strongholds, Lord, even the smallest demons inside of our own lives, trying to get us, Lord, not to fall away, but just to not believe you. they are all under our feet. They are already defeated. We are already victorious. Lord, it's what you paid for. It's what you ransomed us for. Lord, I bring captive every thought. Lord, and I sit... Sit in the position that your blood paid for. Lord, I choose to sit with you and watch you put your enemies. to keep us earthly and we are invited to the heavenlies if we believe what our groom is saying come on Mankind was already saved by your blood, and I agree, I agree with your kingdom, with your rule, with your sovereignty.
1: love, the love
0: of God just building and building and building like this pressure and pressure in the room between us and the prayers that we're building and then it sort of just exploded like an, like an atomic bomb. I was even worried to say that, but it exploded like an atomic bomb out of the room we were in and it rolled like this billowing cloud way over the land, and it was love, it was God's love exploding
3: far into the land and far across the grounds, and it was so powerful, and while it was rolling in this powerful explosion, there was this love planting seeds, and each person, every person it blew through, it would plant the seed of God's love inside, and nothing, nothing can grow on that, only love, so it was planted inside, and uh, yeah, that's
4: so I'm going
5: to dig a little deeper into this word. Many years ago, Steve gave, told, shared a word with me that Bob Jones shared, and I asked Katrina, I said, "Do you know who Bob Jones is?" And she said, "I've never heard of him." You know, he's a well—it was a well-known prophet. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But Bob prophesied that exact thing: It's an atomic bomb of love going off over Asheville in western North Carolina. Can you feel the spirit of God? Let that love go off in you. It's Let it go off in you this morning. I shall bring a healing revival. I shall bring a healing revival. I shall bring a healing revival. God says to this region, let it go off out of you. It's the love of Christ. He said, I'm enthroned on righteousness, justice, accompanied by love and truth, or his foundation. And the fear of the Lord is built on that foundation with that love that she was talking about. Let it go off in you. I want to encourage you again pursue love but desire spiritual gifts especially that you might prophesy God wants this body edified corporately and individually prophesy 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 word of knowledge Word of wisdom, let it be loosed in this room, let it fall, Lord, like rivers of living water. Mm, bring your power and your love, Lord. We bless you, God.
3: I saw Jesus uh, descending on this meeting as an enormous eagle. And when he came down, fire came. At first I thought it came from his mouth because his mouth was screeching, but it came from his eyes. He gave me Isaiah 55. And regarding this moment, I've seen as I read through it and declared it many things in here for today. But for this moment, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David.
1: And Brenda, would you would you bring Sebastian forward? Sebastian
0: Activate
1: the gift sword to we the be Activate the gift sword. Rinny Medash,
0: could
1: in We could the Lord hears your prayer, Sebastian. We
0: greatness of the Lord. Receive the majesty of our King. Back through your mother's womb before time began. Activate.
1: Activate the kids! The Lord, rebuke your Satan. We are clothed in righteousness, covered in the blood.
0: of me, Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Chabar. And the hand of the Lord was on me there. And looking, I saw a strong wind coming out of the north, a great cloud with flames of fire coming after one another. And a bright light shining round about it, and in the heart of it with something colored, like electrum, fire, there's a part we participate in the Lord here, the vision of electrum. The vision of fire. Speak to the Lord. Communicate with a sovereign. Speak
1: back to Him. <laughs>
0: For surely the Lord loves you and delights in
1: you. Fire. Fire, Lord. We ask you for fire, Lord.
0: the flame, Lord. Fend the flame, Lord. Fend the flame of the prophetic, Lord. Fend the flame of your love, Lord. yeah, Sitting city
1: the mouth.
2: My voice is the sound of a thousand bells Hear me nations, hear Israel My song is the water of the purest well Hear me heaven, fear me hell My dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah Look at me and know He's God And bells. Hear me, nations, hear Israel. My song is the water of the purest well. Hear me, heaven, fear me, hell. My dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah. Look at me and fear changes god release my worship is armed with spirit and truth sacred accepted is pleasing to you God of creation, ancient, yet alive in me, God of all nations, uncharted galaxies, God whose spirit alive in me. God who is alive in me God who is alive in me Oh ancient of days creators of the heavens and the earth know all that can be perceived God who is alive In your hand Let our praises rise Let our praises rise Like a weapon Like a weapon Like a weapon Let our souls and spirits rise weapons in the hands of a living god oh let the burial places oh be overturned with resurrection resurrection and life Praise is right. Let our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. Let our praises rise.
0: You know Israel have been in the wilderness for 40 years. They watched
1: their moms and dads fall.
0: Many of us have seen the order of things within the church. And we've seen something that didn't work.
1: I declare unto you this day is a new day. I declare unto you... This day
0: is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. What has characterized us in the past is not our future. There's an expression coming. There's an imitation of the man Jesus. There's a church, triumphant, victorious. Had seen their parents, Hebrews talks about they fell like corpses in the wilderness. And he said, Don't harden your hearts like your forefathers did in the day of provocation. Yeah. But hey, we labor, therefore, to enter into the rest of faith. Oh, but when we get into the rest of faith, we mobilize. not be characterized by that system anymore. A great sword. Jesus is bringing the great sword. We're either on the Lord's side or we're not. There's no middle ground anymore. You're either the Lord's or you're not. It's all for the Lord, the King of glory, or it's not. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no playing. There's no playing around anymore. We don't play. We don't play. We don't, we don't play church. We are the church. <laughs> We're not going to church. We are the church. fan the flame of fire, Lord. Fan the flame of the fire of holiness and
1: truth. We will not be snuffed out.
0: All apathy, all cynicism, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God.
1: we are
0: we Let the Jerichos come down in every city. we <laughs> oh, let them see and let us be seen for who? You really are in us Lord. we're not hiding anymore. is rising in the nations, for oh, the root is rising, for oh, the Israel of God, oh, let the root rise, you're the princes and the princesses of the father the loved ones of our king. You're the ones You're the ones he shed and bled for and purchased as
1: his own family.
0: Jericho was all shut up because of the children of Israel. None came in, and none went out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given this land into your hands. But I will give Jericho with its king and all the men of war. What a global move right now. Oh, this is happening all in the nations right now see i've given the land to you ask of me and i will give the nations as your inheritance we ask you Let all the fighting men make a circle around the town. Go around it for six days. And they'll let the seven priests go before with the ark. And let the seven loud sounding horns in their hands. And on the seventh day, go around the town seven times and let the priests blow their horns and make sound of the long note on the horn. Let the people give a loud cry.
1: I'm going
4: as wool and um, eyes of flame, and he was holding a sword, dripping with blood. And in Isaiah 34, 6, it says, Yahweh's sword is filled with blood, for Yahweh has a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. And then in Isaiah 63, verse 1, who is this who comes from Edom, with dyed garments from Bozrah Who is this glorious in his clothing? Marching in the greatness of his strength, it is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. And then Micah 2, verse 12 and 13, I will surely assemble, Jacob, all of you. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozrah, as a flock in the middle of their pasture. They will swarm with people. He who breaks, open the way goes up before them they break through the gate and go out and that king passes on before them with Yahweh at their head yes.
2: He is the limit. shine on the earth forever and a song will be released that never has been heard with one voice and with one sound forever So...
0: John said this, and I was sensing this too, but we really want to encourage your hearts. Thank you so much, Pete, uh, for obeying the Lord here. Just to encourage you with this word again, we want to set this in your heart with uh, Micah chapter 2, verse 12. Listen listen to the word of the Lord again. I will surely gather all of you. O Jacob, I will surely collect the remnant of Israel just like he said i will give a hundred in this place he said and i will give ten thousand and expand the family of the lord out of this place he says surely i will do this surely surely i will gather my remnant and i will bring israel together like a sheep in a fold like a flock in the middle of their pasture The fold and the pasture shall swarm with men and women and hum (laughs) with much noise. The breaker, the Messiah, will go up before us as he is. He's leading us. You will break through. You will pass in through the gate. And go out through it. And their king will pass on before them. The Lord at their head. Thank you, Jesus, our king. We bless your name. You know, he says he's so satisfied with today. He tells me it's every week he'll say, I'm satisfied. Amen.
5: Bless you all. I, I, a few weeks, uh, probably a month ago, the Lord told me to ask Carol uh, about could I could I take up offerings. And the strange thing is, and that is, it's just an act of obedience because in all the ministry I've been in, I really don't like to take up offerings. <laughs> I don't. You know what I'm saying? I don't. And I said, but what is it, Lord? And he, he said, he said, we're going to break through some things. We're going to break through some things in giving. I said, I said okay. And he said, what's brought you great joy over the years? I mean, really big joy. And I, and I thought to myself, uh, when we go to other countries and we, and we feed a lot of children and a lot of widows and we minister, and, uh, but the joy of feeding other people and it comes out of Isaiah Isaiah 58 and I'm going to read a little bit of that but I, I want to say this too before I get to there is I've had a couple of encounters lately and one of them was, was with the spirit of joy and I humbly submit that I go to I go to the Holy of Holies about once a year in the spirit of, with the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of joy uh, met me at the doorway there this year. The interesting thing was most of the time I just walked straight in, I had to duck my head a little bit this time to come in, and the door posts were set at 55 inches. Anybody remember that word we got a little while ago about 50, Isaiah 55? Just, just you know what I mean, Just letting you know the spirit of prophecy is flowing through this room. Let me read you a little bit about what it says in Isaiah 55. There is joy. There is joy unspeakable. In this room, I feel it. Yeah. And I pray breakthrough for everyone who needs a breakthrough in the spirit of joy. Lord, let joy fall along with your love in this place this morning, God. Let us bring, Lord, um, it's not about this offering, God, but, let us, but it is and it isn't, Lord. But we pray that what we give, we give in great joy, dear Heavenly Father, giving unto you, dear Heavenly Father. We bless you, God. Let that spirit of joy go out. One more thing real quick. Okay, if you're going to make out a check this morning, make it out to OOMZ. Let me read a little bit out of Isaiah 58 because I actually believe that Isaiah 58 has been the key in my life to traveling just about all over the world. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you might break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and you you bring in your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Listen, listen to this promise. It's from feeding, clothing, and housing, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. But yet in, in that, I, I, I have great joy. I, we were, uh, I'm going to take a minute. We were, we were uh, in Guatemala, and we were in some very poor barrios, and and we had about four or 500 kids scheduled to come one night uh, for salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, so there we could feed, we could serve two pieces of chicken, rice, beans, tortillas, and something to drink for a dollar a person. And so I gave the pastor, he said he thinks it will be 600 there, so I gave him the money for, to, to do that. And he said, can you, it was right before Christmas, he said, can you give me another I said, said, for what? He said, some of these kids had never had a Christmas gift in their life. And I said, what can you buy for $200 for, for 500 kids? And he said, I can get it. So he showed up that night, and he had these little bitty rubber balls for the boys and these little bitty plastic dolls for the girls. You know, and to be honest with you, my kids would have thought nothing about it. But when those kids received what that pastor bought them, they broke out in joy. But before that, you know, I bet there was 300 of them came to the altar that night at, at that meal. And a lot of them received Jesus. A lot of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. But what I'm trying to tell you this morning is your breakthrough is in your giving. Some of your breakthroughs for financial needs, I'm hearing God very clearly, is in your giving. So Lord, I pray God, that there is breakthrough here this morning in financial need your Heavenly Father. But I am decreeing and declaring to you that it's in your giving. I mean that with gentleness and love and meekness. But it's in your giving that you'll find your breakthrough. I'm going to read the last promise of this to you because it means so much, especially in my life. Verse 14 says, then you shall delight yourself in the lord and i will cause you how many people here are called to other places in the world and i will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of jacob your father the mouth of the lord has spoken so lord i pray dear god that this morning that that you receive what we have to give this morning with great joy lord (laughs) like carol said that you're well satisfied and once again, I decree and declare breakthrough of our finances in this house in the name of Jesus. There's two offering, two offering uh, baskets up here to my right and to my left. And I just pray that spirit of joy one last time. Let it flood through you in the name of Jesus.
2: Peel back our ribs again and Stand inside of our chest we just wanna love you, we just wanna love you, yeah. Peel back the veil of time and let us see you with our naked eyes. We just wanna love you, we just wanna love you, yeah. sound of eternity on the lips of the found grey stones roll to the rhythm of the sound of you and skeleton bones stand at the sound of eternity on the lips of the found Separate those doors and let the son of a resurrection in.
0: I'm really excited about today and what the Lord has been preparing us for, for this uh, particular moment that we've come to. I mean, it's already been really amazing, uh, but I'm really thrilled about uh, where we're going to head into this time together right now and in the preaching and the teaching of the word. And before we, and I'm going to launch out in this, but let's go ahead and stand together And as you know, we're in Luke's gospel, or you may not know that, but we're in Luke's gospel uh, week to week. And uh, I find it so unique with the Lord how he can take the exposition of scripture. um, He picked this gospel, Luke, for this time and then take the exposition. And it's literally like our ministry is walking out that exposition as a body corporately. It's fascinating how the Holy Spirit can do that. And I think you're going to see with joy um, this morning how this is such a beautiful picture of, of the Lord leading us in our midst, even through the exposition of preaching and the teaching of God's word. Uh, starting in verse 39, as we had finished with verse 38 last week, and at that time, Mary arose and went with haste until the hill excuse me, into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she went to the house of Zechariah, and entering it, she saluted Elizabeth. And it occurred that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud cry and then exclaimed, Blessed, favorite of God, above all other women are you. And blessed, favorite of God, is the fruit of your womb. And ha- how have I deserved such an honor as this? How should it be granted unto me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, the instant the sound of your salutation reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed, happy to be envied, is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, when you bring together the, the Baptist, the, John is going to cry out in the wilderness, saying, "Make straight the highway of, of the Lord. make straight His path, bring up and elevate the place of holiness. Let every heel be made low, let every crooked place be made straight. Bring forth the presence of the Lord." And in the same room, the power, the dimensional space of power comes into the room and Jesus, your, your very presence comes and Elizabeth perceives. Mary believes with all her heart that what you had said and how could it be? By, in both cases, were impossible, Lord. It was impossible to bring your presence and your power together, your promise and your oath, because heaven was going to reign. Heaven was going to come down. Heaven was going to come to earth. And we, in some way, here this morning, we get the opportunity to believe for the impossible, to see your presence and your power, to, to engage with your promise to us and the oath and the truth, that for you're the truth, you're the way, and you're the life, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we bless this dialogue that's about to happen. We ask that your spirit and your wisdom and your understanding would be with us as we engage with you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And what, what, what we're going to do this morning, this is different. I've never, don't think, ever done this before, but Stephen and I are going to have a dialogue on the stage, together, from two different perceptions. And it, and this really, really happened with Jennifer Scroggs, and she probably didn't know this, but we had went out to eat last week after our event, and Jennifer said something to me, and it kind of really struck me. She said, how did you feel, Carol, being a Nazarene growing up? Did you kind of, now I'm paraphrasing you, Jennifer, but did you kind of feel like, You were the cat's pajamas. That's not what she said. But Did you kind of feel sort of special? And uh, we grew up in the, you know, I'm a few years older than her, but we grew up in the same nursery, really, like right over here at the First Church of the Nazarene in um, Hendersonville, uh, where my dad was an associate pastor there. And, you know, I kind of heard her say that, and I was like, this is um, fascinating to me. Because last Sunday, the presentation of the Word was John the Baptist, Jesus the Nazarene, this little baby born in Nazareth, this other baby who will be called the ba- the great baptizer, and it just hits me all of a sudden. There's a Baptist on the stage and a Nazarene. Uh, weren't you raised Baptist? Oh, yeah. Baptist minister, you know, Right here in Henderson County, my dad, Nazarene pastor. We have a Baptist and a Nazarene from our roots. I've dedicated. Were were you dedicated in the? I I was too. We're the firstborns of our fathers. And we love our dads a lot. We love you guys. Thank you for standing for the Lord. And our mothers. We love you and we honor you. But it just kind of hit me all of a sudden. Here we are. Jesus the Nazarene and John the Baptist, and remember last week, the, the text was is that John the Baptist was saying, Hey, make right, make straight the path of the Lord. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not Jesus and Stephen's not John. Okay, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> but that the Lord has a, a sense of humor. <laughs> And it just hit me all of a sudden. That's a Nazarene and a Baptist. And this is the roots of our foundation. I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Myself, dedicated, you know, Stephen dedicated within two different ministries. And I, and I say this, you know, the Baptists have a different ecclesiology than the Nazarene. Baptist ecclesiology is the congregational, congregational vote. And in the Nazarene, the leadership has moved from top down, and the Baptists are kind of moved bottom up, you know. And I asked the Lord one time, I said, which ecclesiology do you approve of? Do you like the Presbyterian, which is like a board of elders? Do you like the Baptist, which is the congregational vote? Or do you like the one that's the ecclesiology comes from the top down? Which ecclesiology do you like? Because, you know, whichever one it is, I want to be in that one. And the Lord, I mean, as clear as day, almost internal audibly says, the one that produces humility. Well, he didn't care which ecclesiology. Now, that will blow all the theologians right out of the water and all the church planners and everybody would be upset with me for saying that. But that's what the Lord said to me, and he said, I want humility. So if it takes a congregational vote for their pastor and they get to decide and it produces humility, then so be it. If it takes the general superintendent to decide through the district superintendent, and that produces humility, so be it. If it takes a plurality of elders, so be it. Whatever produces humility, because God what? Resists the what? But gives what? Grace. Grace to the humble. So here we are from, coming from two different ecclesiologies. And so... Last week and then we're gonna well, we could stand up. You wanna sit down or sit down? Yeah, we'll sit down. What we wanna do here this morning is Stephen had this dramatic not traumatic, but but <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> Maybe it was a little bit traumatic as well. I don't know, but encounter with the Lord this last week. And and one of the things that was going on in last week's sermon is, you know, me, I come from a certain Set of uh, words, you know. I, I'll say things. Somebody says, "What is he talking about?" You know, what is he saying? And what what the Holy Spirit said when we met together this week is have a dialogue between yourselves and conversate so that the congregation can get a feel or an understanding, because Stephen has a rich understanding that comes from the Lord that I don't necessarily talk like, but he does. You know, we would, we would love, we love the whole congregation. So we're like, we want to integrate this material from scripture into you. We want you to get a hold of this. We want you to hear this dialogue so that you can engage with the word of the Lord. And so I'm gonna set a parameter and then we're gonna have a conversation. First of all, if you take notes, this is something I, I want you to hear. I got into Hebrews 6 last week, and I taught with you about the promise, the oath, and the pulling of the heavens, the bringing in of the heavens into the earth sphere. And and I gave you an acronym for that called what? POP. That's how the Holy Spirit taught it to me. By a promise, an oath, you will pull. The heavenly dimension into your present time. Jesus will say, "Let what's in heaven, what come to earth." And so, so with that. Now, here's another way I want you to. I'm gonna set a framework, promise, oath, pull. So, hear me now. Presence and power, Baptist. Nazarene. John the Baptist brings the presence. John tells us what we shouldn't do. Y'all know about what you shouldn't do. Jesus reveals to us what we cannot do. (laughs) Promise, oath, pull. Baptist, Nazarene, the heavens. Presence and power. And uh, and so there's a structural framework for you, and this is in Hebrews. This is in the gospel. I can just say this one more way, because I'm just presenting this to you. Prophet, priest, king. So what is observed prophetically is actualized internally and implemented externally. This is the way this works. And you and I were created for heaven, you were created for the Lord, and what, what we want to have in this dialogue is what maybe some of the hindrances have been to us and present this way that God has created us in, Trinitarian, prophet, priest, king, he, and promise oath pool. He wants us to operate like this, and, uh, and so we're going to begin um, our dialogue. We do everything by the seat of our pants in this ministry. <laughs> so here we go. Well, why don't you start out by uh, sharing, yeah, what happened.
2: Okay. Um, so last week with Hebrews, I've heard the promise oath pool I've talked to. I was, I've been working um, in Asheville. And a lot of times I'll eat lunch with Jamie, so I was talking to him about, you know, Pop, and he was asking me questions about it, and I was thinking, you know, I, I remember, before talking to Carol about it, and anyway, I've been thinking a lot about. I've been reading Hebrew six just over and over and over again because, um, I don't know. I was just reading it, so I was driving. On my way to um, a job that I'm I'm doing, and as I'm driving, there's this mailbox, and there's these numbers. They're probably about that big, and they're yellow, and it says three sixteen. And, you know, of course, John 3.16. And being a Baptist, I really know that verse. So um, my initial thought, my first thought was like, oh, that's the Lord. And then my other thought was like, how can that be the Lord? That is like the oldest verse. I've said it 45,000 times. You know, every bit of revelation has been sucked out of it. This is what I'm feeling inside of me when I'm, when I'm seeing this thing. And I'm just like, okay, so I get to the job. This was right before I get to my job. And I get there and I open up my Bible app, and I just start reading. And what I start reading was the beginning of John 3. I started at the, the top of John 3 instead of, you know, just going right to 316. Um, and it's all about Nicodemus. And... <laughs> so anyway, I start reading it. I can We can just kind of go through and... Um, so there's a Pharisee named Nicodemus, leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and he said, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God." Now, I'm reading it in the whatever the NRSV is because I don't know these, but anyway, I was reading it in the Amplified. Who came to Jesus at night, uh, this is Nicodemus, and he said, "Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher and immediately when I read this, it just floored me. I mean, I've heard the whole story of Nicodemus, you know, most of my life, and you know, unless you be born again, you're not see the kingdom of heaven. How can a man come back in his mother's womb? But there was something that was in Nicodemus when he came to Jesus. His first thing was, we know, which is completely opposite of we believe. So there's a know and a believe. This is what I've been going through. I'm trying to give you a f- framework for what I've been going through. There's there's a place where you, you know something. Um, it's a perfect example, like, you know, um, if you, let's see, is Carol going to be at the, f- at the fair today? I believe so. And if there was a friend who came up who knew more of what Carol's plans were, he would say, no, he's not going to be there. He's going to be somewhere else. It was the difference. There's the believe when you're not really sure, and then there's the no. So put it this way. There's fact, and then there's Myth there's the there's these two sides so Nicodemus comes to God and he says we know based on fact based on evidence based on empirical proof based on something that's quantifiable we know that you come from God as a teacher only as a teacher we're not going any farther we're not taking our belief and our faith any farther we're just coming to you saying okay as a teacher.'" And the crazy thing is, is when Jesus responds to him, he responds with, (laughs) I love it. Wait one second. Let me find it. Uh, he do less. Jesus answered him, I assure you, unless a person is born again, he cannot ever see the kingdom of God. Now, when I read this, I'm going to go take you through my mindset because my first thought when I read this was like, I had no idea what Jesus is responding to because I didn't even hear a question from Nicodemus. He just walks up and he says we know you are come as a teacher and then he kind of just stops and then jesus answers whatever question so for me jesus was answering the question inside of his heart because he was coming he was saying we know all this stuff we know you're a teacher but we need more proof so we can finally believe that you really are the messiah who has come we need you to, to tell us something and then jesus goes way off script and goes way myth and he's like Unless you're born again—now, we've all heard it before. We've been in church—well, uh, most of us who've been in church, that you hear this story. It's like, unless you've been born again, unless you said the sinner's prayer, then you can't ever see the kingdom of God. When I was reading it, it was something different. Unless you've been born from above, you can't see—what um, is the—no, the Job—I know, sorry. The Job, um, you know, I've heard of you. Oh, Job 42. Job 42, Yeah. You know, I've.
0: He's referencing Job 42. I heard of you by the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes have seen you. And I I abhor myself, repent, and dust and ashes.
2: So there was this whole thing of like, see. And it's complete myth, it doesn't speak to Nicodemus's brain at all. It doesn't speak to his intellect. It doesn't speak to his mind. It doesn't speak to anything. Because Nicodemus's next response is, what? Uh, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he go back into his mother's womb? I mean, in my mind, now get it, I'm, I'm adding a bunch of storyline here to help us, but Nicodemus is like, Jesus... If you can't even agree with us and understand the natural order of life, how you're born once, you can't go back there and come back, it doesn't work that way. This is Nicodemus' response, and then Jesus responds back the opposite way, which is back with, with myth. Nicodemus comes with the whole fact, and then he comes with the myth. And he says, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of heaven. What is born of flesh is flesh, the physical. What is born of the spirit is spirit. So he comes back with myth. He brings myth back, and all of a sudden Nicodemus. Now this is something I've dealt with my whole life. I'm very, I'm, I am on the Myers Briggs. I'm kind of like right in between the, um, what is it, thinker and filler. yeah. So I'm right in between, which it works out really well for me because Jesus, um, Jennifer is complete not thinker. She's on the other end of the spectrum, so it helps me just barely kind of understand how her mind works, but it also really, it kind of makes it, when I ask the Lord questions, my natural gravitation is to want to hear fact, or want to hear proof, or want to hear basis, or want to hear um, all these things. In other words, I want to hear with my mind, and God is screaming through my heart, through myth, and I feel like this is what Jesus does. So in the meantime, I'm reading this. Mind you, I'm sitting at my job on my phone. Just started, I had to start writing it down because I was just blown away. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, this is you speaking to me out of John 3.16. Who would have thought? Um,
0: so do you mind if I cut in? No, cut in. So... One of the things that when Stephen was sharing this with me this week, it, it occurs to me all of a sudden that how many of you kind of understand or have an understanding of psychological projection? Many you, you kind of studied this. All right. Maybe not all of you, but basically you perceive things to be a certain way. And out of your perception, you imprint that onto the way that you think about something else or someone else. Now, most of us would not be aware that we project onto other people or onto society our own ideas. And if you if you've been married or you've had some really close friends, you'll sometimes realize that you're 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 saying something to them and it's just not like resonating or getting back or your your perception of the situation you find out is is actually different than the perception of another person. Has that ever happened to anybody? You have a different perception than someone else. I mean, I'm telling you, being married, this is, really happens a lot. Like, what are you talking about? I, it's come, I, I call my wife coming out of left field. I'm like, what field, what planet did you come from? It just comes out of somewhere else, another entry point. And, and what, we, what we don't necessarily realize, and I, I didn't for most of my life, that I've got an imprint in my own mind that projects out and like sees a certain way, but you know, could be wrong. <laughs> it's called pride, but, <laughs> and of course you, you and me always thinks we're right. Okay, so with this being said, Nicodemus is coming to the Lord, and what does he project onto the Lord? What does he call him? A great teacher. What is Nicodemus? He projects onto Jesus what he himself is. He's a Pharisee. He can only recognize Jesus based off the imprint of his own soul. Now hear hear this, because this is what, when you're bringing this out, Stephen, I'm like, well, Nicodemus is uh, basically committed the fallacy of fact by projecting onto the Lord. We know you're a great teacher because you have to be because these you did these works. They came from you. Hmm.
2: Yeah, they're based their
0: proof. He's based his proof or empirical. I think you use that yeah, language. Empirical. empirical evidence. On to the Lord. You've empirically proven yourself to be a great teacher. This is the only way I can accept you, because I myself am one. Wow! And I. This is just a side. You know what John is saying. The Baptist is saying. He's saying, "This is the tendency of man," and when I say man, I mean mankind and woman to project onto the Lord what we are. One of the, and and, and this is where this, we're going to build a basis here. This is what's going on in our political system right now, our economic system, and our religious system. And, And what Jesus is doing for Nicodemus here is he's bringing Nicodemus in the cover of night. Nicodemus is coming to him in the cover of night, and Jesus is going to introduce this material like he's saying, you can't understand me based off of empirical evidence. You can't even understand me based off of your own projection onto me of who you are. I come outside from a different dimensional space. Nicodemus, and this is, when we're talking today about where, what we're leaving behind and what's happening when we're saying Jesus is king, what we're in effect saying is we're leaving our own perception. Yeah. We are saying corporately here, we're, we are saying, and this is why you're here, is because there's, a, there's an evident humility in you. I, I believe this. There's an evident humility that says in you, this had not been working. Crown virus came to reveal that to us. It reveals the hypocrisy of the left and the right. It shows us the hypocrisy, and then we realize something's wrong. We've been running all our perceptions like Nicodemus mm-hmm. and we've been placing he's a great teacher. Maybe many we want to hear the great teachers come forward in the body of Christ and give us the great teaching and, and you said something this week and maybe you could pick up here. You said this promise oath pool is not about a teaching.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's not about it's uh, The big thing, when I was talking to Jamie, I realized for myself is, you know, Promise Oath Pool, it's, it's not for buying a new car. It's not for buying a house. It's not for, it is a way of life. It's how we, it is life. Because the promises that he's talking about, they're the promises that God has promised every single person. You all get it. Everybody can have it but unfortunately not everybody. That's, that was the whole thing with, it, it is inclusive, but it's not, it's not for like, okay, Lord, you promised me a great ministry, so I'm going to believe in your oath, and I'm going to pull this out of heaven. Yes, there are times when that happens, but mostly promise oath pool is for life. It's for waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, you promised that I'm a victor, and my finances don't prove it, my Society doesn't prove it. Nothing has empirical proof that you are victor. But I believe the oath that you're a victor, therefore I am. And then we pull that into he- I mean, out of heaven into the earth, if that's yeah. what you wanted.
0: Yeah, and what, what Stephen what came back to me was he was saying, Carol, this, you're not giving us a teaching. No. Um, you're giving us the, from the Lord the very fabric of life that you and I, male, female, Jew, Greek, bond, or free, so it don't depend on our racial status, it doesn't depend on our gender, and it doesn't depend on our social status, we're created this way by the Father.
2: Yeah, this is a mode of life.
0: This is the mode of life, not a teaching. Mm -hmm. You see the difference? That's why we're dialoguing this morning, because this isn't a teaching. This isn't Hey, present to us the great teacher of, of the church. Present to us the last great teaching point. And if we just got that and we had empirical evidence that somehow yeah. life would do what it's supposed to do. No. It's, this, it's a silver bullet. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> In the church, and Steve and I had this conversation, what, five years ago, six years ago? Yeah. There's always this silver bullet sitting out
2: there, and, and
0: you want to describe? Yeah, have you
2: all ever felt that? You ever, you ever gone to a conference, and your hope was that you get to this conference, and you finally hear that one thing that makes your whole life easier, that makes you finally hear God in, a, in the way that you want? Or, or you go to a conference, and you hear that one song that makes you finally able to see Jesus with your naked eyes. Has anybody ever felt that? Is it just me? You can raise your hand. There you go. One back there. Two. All right. Oh, the kids. Well, of course the kids. <laughs> of
0: course kids.
2: I am a child. Three. Anyway, so there's this thing that the Lord was, I mean, the Lord, not the Lord, but I was always looking like, I need this silver bullet. I need this one thing. I went to conferences and watches. I mean, I would spend six o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening till six o'clock in the morning worshiping and praying at conferences because I was hoping that the Lord would let drop from heaven this silver bullet that would make everything make sense. Everything come to pass and everything happened like it was supposed to happen. It was Nicodemus. I wanted the pool so that I would get the promise or to prove the promise. And then I would make an oath. I had it out of order.
0: Had it out of order. Okay, so. so does
2: Nicodemus. Right. Yeah. He's got a. That's what he's doing. Nicodemus is coming to Jesus and he's saying, we know. We've already seen this. We know. Okay. I can put my oath up to that point in other words, up to what I project onto you. I can put my oath up to that point.
0: So, so, faith is the title deed Hope for. It's the objective proof of an unseen reality. So, we, we brought this out last week that heaven is not subjective. Now, most people believe that heaven is subjective meaning that 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 it doesn't have any undeniable proof with it but see the things of heaven are more real than this platform they're more real they're they're very much more real And yet the Lord, what he's wanting to do with us is he he wants us to come into a place of humility. And and this is what you and I have to do. Nicodemus is making an attempt on this, but come into a place of humility. And and this is something he told me to say this to the church, that you're willing to go blank slate. Hear me out. Stephen says, and it's in the text that Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, this is what I know. But what God's looking for from us is to say, I don't know. You ever ever, in the church, when were you saved? They give us the date. When were you filled with the Holy Spirit? They give us the date. When were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? They give us the date. I'm done. One of the greatest hindrances in the church or in ministry is I've arrived. I heard this lady one time, she said, she was baptizing the Holy Spirit. She said, I just stuck my head up out of the dirt. <laughs> Everybody else had set the standard there, and she's saying, I'm just getting started. Listen, one of, the, one of the great hindrances to us in our relationship, this is our marriages, our friendships, our work environments, is to presuppose somehow that we already know that our perception is the end of it that where I've come to in my mentality is where it is. And Jesus is going to blow this man Nicodemus's circuits. Yeah. And say that it's not your empirical perception and evidential life that actually that you know anything and he, and he goes on he, he begins to say you must be born again if you're going to see anything. You, you can't see. Um, uh, the Lord, t- you know, he said, hey, Carol, you know, or he did call me Carol. He calls me son. Son, go blank slate. Like, go to the point where you've lost your cognition, where you're meditating on what you know. Do you know what happens with us in a corporate meeting here? Do you know what we're after? We're basically after all of us losing our minds. Just to be open with you. Uh, You might notice that some of us are.
2: (laughs) Some of us get there much faster than other ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That you lose your perception of yourself, both internally, and you're losing your perception of what other people think about you externally. This is a must to enter into the presence of God. You really enter into his presence when you lose your perception. The grid that you're holding on to, that we're all holding on to, it's, you know, and I'm up here, and I I don't know, and Stephen is too, we're basically provoking you. (laughs) We're saying by the Spirit, lose yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Forget and be immersed into the presence of the Lord just let yourself go let it all let it all go because you can't see unless you do you will not be able to visualize what god is saying to you or have the spirit realm open up to you if you're thinking within a nicodemus mindset Mm -hmm. and look you know that you know that nicodemus being a pharisee he's of the highest order of the aaronic line now this is really important for us because what I'm coming out with, and Stephen's coming out with, and I believe you're engaging with, is we're saying we're not at Sinai here, we're at Zion. We're not saying we're in the Aaronic order, order line of things anymore. Welcome to the Melchizedek order. Welcome to the order of God where there is complete liberty in order. Yeah. But this empirical evidence, this perceptibility, we must basically break agreement with
2: it yeah. to begin to see. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. When he tells them, do you want to go to that now, the serpent, Moses? Yeah. Um, that, Jesus comes back to him eventually. It comes back to him. Actually, the funny. Jesus does respond to him at the end, and he says he starts using his words with fact, but he uses it differently. He uses it like, um, we speak only what we know instead of the belief. And then he, he reminds them, he says, listen, remember Moses. Remember the golden snake or the snake made of brass that he put on the pole. And about what Carol's saying with the empirical proof, to me, this was what this was. It's like, think about that. Just think about that. It's ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. There's no empirical data behind it that would say, this will work. It, it, is, it doesn't make any sense. God sends poisonous snakes in, they kill the Israelites, and then God tells Moses, put a snake on a pole, and when they look at it, they'll be healed. It makes no sense. He's telling Nicodemus, look, in the past, this is what happened. That makes sense. No. All they had to do was just look at it and they'd be healed. Then he goes on to go even farther and he says, so the son of man will be lifted on a pole. And he compares, he he does these two, he puts them together for Nicodemus, which is ironic because he doesn't tell, you know, when you read the whole passage, you never get the sense that he makes Nicodemus aware that he is the son of God. You know, when he stands before a pilot, I am he. You know, all this kind of stuff. When he talks to Nicodemus, you get the kind of sense that he's talking to Nicodemus like when he comes. it's very. It seems very vague, but he's like hammering in, when, which all Nicodemus wants is for him to say, this is who I am and empirically prove it, and then you have me. I'm yours. You completely have me. But it's the Aaronic order. Right. Um, it's very interesting, too, and you brought this out.
0: Uh, at our meeting this week that jesus will use um, a singular pronoun when he's referencing nicodemus yeah but he uses a plural pronoun when he's referencing himself hmm. now now I hear this out because he says we speak what we know and i and uh and you were bringing this out and i and i said man How is it that Jesus is saying, we speak what we know? You say what you know, but we speak what we know. And the Lord spoke to me while Stephen was bringing this out, and he says, you see, the we is, in in the case of the Lord, there's a triple witness. He has a triple witness, everything Jesus said. He'll, He'll tell people many times, he'll say, truly, truly, I say to you. When he says something, he sees it. God said, let there be light. And he saw that there was light. God, whatever he says, he sees it. And so he says, we speak what we know. He's setting a plural pronoun back to himself. He's referencing some other that is actually giving him the basis of his authority. (laughs) He's saying... I am the promise. I have the oath. And when I testify of something, it has a triple witness, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has the true perception. He has the perception of we, not the perception of you. This is profound. Humility leads us to this, but I'll just tell you a little sto- story to kind of help with an illustration. We're, we're riding in the vehicle. Kara and I, we have six children. They don't always, like, do everything right. Your kids, they, ever, my, they don't do everything I want them to. And I've got my, my three oldest ones are in the middle seat. And my three little ones are in the back. And all of a sudden, I hear Sadie. Well, I watch Sadie in the rearview mirror. <laughs> to her brother. And I'm pulling the car over because discipline's got to come. And it just gets old having to pull the car over, you know. But I'm like, I got to deal with this. Kara says, Carol. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> she's going to get in between me and my perception. <laughs> and she's going to get in between me and my discipline. Uh-huh. And my daughter's going to think that it's okay to disobey. Carol, oh man, I hate it when this happens. Your judgment's off. <clears throat> Don't say that to me. I, I watched, and I'm like telling her, I watched it in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I saw her. She oh, hit him right in the face. He's crying. Carol, Carol. Your perception's off. No, it's not.
2: <laughs> no, it's not.
0: No, it's not. I saw her in the rearview mirror. I'm dealing with this. Your perception's off. Oh. You don't know what you're doing here. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to make her perceive this okay to hit her brother. You don't understand what you're doing. And But I feel that still, small voice. And I hate it again because she's right, (laughs) you know. (laughs) She's right again. How do you get right so many times, woman? (laughs) It's the woman you gave me, Lord. It's the woman you gave me. And um, find out that one of her brothers had said something under his breath and was hurting her feelings. I think both of them were. And they had been basically digging at her. They didn't want daddy to see, so they're got their heads a little drooped down, they're cutting at my little lady, my little baby. And she had about all she could take. <laughs> <laughs> Is it right what she did? No. Is it right what they did? No. But did I see it with my own eyes? No. Was I wrong? Yes. My perception was off. I had visualized what I could see. I had empirical evidence, and yet I had missed the entire situation entirely. You see, you can have a partial judgment and execute wrongly. And this is what is so, this is vital. This is vital for us you know, in the raising of our families and in the, in the, in the way that we perceive one another, we're making, we can make an accusation and be completely off base. I have a lot of examples like that. <laughs> we say here what we say, we, <laughs> and he, because of learning this the hard way. Because you can, with your own eyes, you can, with your own, I mean, literally, your own ears, with your own skin, be wrong. Mm-hmm. You can have empirical evidence and be absolutely wrong because the perception does not come from him. Something's missing. Something's out of the way. It was, my, it was an idea that I had, yes, but it may not be. It may not be the Lord. And here, here, here's the thing. God resists the proud. Yeah. You know what I was about to do? I was about to divide my baby's heart from her daddy. I, I mean, I was coming out the door. Why? Because I didn't perceive rightly. And it was causing division in my family. Now, I had to address my sons. You, you don't speak to your, daughter, your sister that way. I have to address my daughter. When someone accosts you and hits you, that doesn't mean, or I mean, say something to you, doesn't mean you're supposed to hit them in the face, right? That, it doesn't make it right. i not agreeing with wrong. God isn't either. God isn't saying it's okay if you abuse somebody or mistreat them. He doesn't say that. But He is saying you need a perception that comes from heaven. Yeah. What's He going to get into into the text? If I can't tell you of earthly things, Nicodemus, if you don't get this based in perception and you don't humble yourself here, Nicodemus, to to see into the kingdom of God, how can, I mean, think about this. Think about how profound what the Lord is saying because we could think that what is being said here is profound. He said, I can't even tell you of heavenly things. I can't even explain the heavens to you, the structure of the heavens. I can't even bring this into the event with you if you do not take time to realize that it is more than likely the case that your perception is off, even if you were to see it with all five of your senses. And this is why why it is so important, and my family is learning this, and I pray that all of us will learn this: you really and I do not make our decisions best apart from the presence of God. So the promise of God is yes and amen. And, and presence and promise, remember, goes together. You and I can't make good decisions in the flesh. The flesh is enmity with God. We, we will not make good decisions. We must be covered under the shadow of the Most High. We must must contend for the presence of the Lord and say, I'm not making a decision. I'm not even adjusting my priority if I'm not immersed in the presence of the Lord because more than likely, and this is what's divided the church. This is what's divided the nation. Our presuppositions, possibly apart from the presence of the Lord, are wrong, and it takes humility to admit it, and we must come in agreement with God's holy word, the logos, we must come in agreement with the rhema, the revelation of God to us and our families before we go out and we say, let's do this or that or that, now here's the other thing, there's all these attacks that come now when you begin to believe the promise of God from his presence, All right, well, let's address that now. I, I began to believe. Okay, you know what? I humbled myself to the perception. I'm going to believe now. You gave me an impossible thing that it's impossible. And now here comes the assault to your family, to your future, to your health, to your finances, to your relationship with your, um, your um, extended family. It's assaulting you, coming against you. And you said no. God gave me a promise, but everything's trying to tell you that that promise is not true. And this is the other side. I want to address this this morning because on the other side of your promise that comes out of the presence of the Lord, there is an oath, and there is power there to perform that promise. Do you have anything you want to say here? Okay, so so many of us in this room have tasted the promises of God. And many of you have had the oath come and you've seen the power of God come to deliver things in your life. You've watched watched this, so you have a framework of this. And what what our encouragement for you this morning is, is that, and and we said this this last week, that here we are coming into the presence of the Lord, and there's power to perform it. God, through um, Pete Lineker's word this morning, gave a word over this whole house. Surely he's going to gather the remnant. Surely there's going to be a gathering in this place and expand all over the city. We take the Micah 2.12 and Micah 2.13 word and hold the line on it in this house corporately. But what I'm wanting you to hear as well is the promises that God's given you for your family, yeah. your relationships what you're moving into in your businesses, what your personal life, what's going on with your children or your grandchildren, where something has come to try to tell you the complete opposite of what God's word is uh, over you, you and your family's life. That, yes, you're a part of a corporate word this morning, but I want you to believe what God says to you, that you would, not, you would, you would stand on the word of the Lord that he's given to you, and you wouldn't back out of your position. Um, Austin Harris said this in a Friday prayer meeting, and I'm just paraphrasing you as well, Austin, but it's not the looking at your circumstance going to bring your, pull the heavens out. Let me tell you, he said this, and he's right. It's, it's this vision that happens in your soul when you're looking at the Lord. Let me give you a text for this. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. It said, Abram, hope. Y'all know this? Against what? All right, if you study that in the Greek, and I've said this before in other meetings, but if you study that hope against hope in the Greek, one hope had set the direct object in Sarah's womb. But the hope that impregnated Sarah's womb was when the direct object was God himself. What is the oath? What is the oath? God himself. It's when you and your soul make a transfer of trust to him, no matter what everything's telling you around you, it's telling you they're not going to get saved. It's telling you you'll never have a breakthrough for your family to get that new home. It's trying to tell you that, that, uh, that uh, whatever. It's a million things. I don't know. It's trying to tell you that this is absolutely impossible. And listen, it is. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. Mm-hmm. Or how could he impregnate a, a virgin and she be, bring forth the Son of God? How could Elizabeth and John in their old age bring forth, um, excuse me, Zachariah bring forth John? What we speak of here, we speak of the impossible. And we, we say, we say, contend for the impossible. For surely if you will hold the line, uh, Hebrew says, hold fast the confession of your faith. If you will hold fast and not give up, you will get some victories under your belt. Yeah. John's referencing some of those in, in finance and in offering. Now, my family, we've watched the Lord in finance. It's, a, it's powerful. When the Lord intervenes financially, there's no way you can make that much money in a year. I've watched the Lord do it. I've seen him do it. When you come to a confession and say, I will not back off of what you said. You said this to me and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to move my position off of it. Do you see how trapping the empirical evidence of casting on to the Lord is for Nicodemus? Yeah. It, 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 um,
2: he doesn't even believe he doesn't even believe who, who you were saying with the promise and the oath. The oath is who he is as God. In Nicodemus' mindset, there's no, because the same thing, he's looking for the proof to believe in Jesus. So therefore, for himself, because he's projecting, therefore himself, he has no proof to believe who Jesus is. Which is the thing, you know, that he says there's a mindset to that the, the same promise of pool actually, I think, actually works, too, with the way what we actually believe who God is. Because Jesus saying, are you going to believe me as a teacher? That's what it was. So Jesus is countering this whole scientific, quantifiable, empirical, proven fact. You know I am a teacher from God because of my effect, but do you believe I am the son of God? Do you believe I'm the savior? Do you believe I'm king? Do you believe I love you and have your best interest at heart? Do you believe that my heart is ever coming after you because of who I am? Which is the whole, you know, trying to pull the promise down Nicodemus
1: So,
0: so we're so so what we want to say is when the promise comes we're not looking for proof we're looking for the oath which is him we're looking for this thing that makes us feel insecure and everything to be resolved what we're looking for is this steadfastness that says i believe therefore i will see not i see therefore i will believe you see you see, what we're going to do right now is what we want. What we want to realize right now is, and what we want to lay at the feet of Jesus right now is, I'm going to. At, at, I'm going to lay at your feet right now my perception. And you say, "You say, Carol, I don't know how to do that. And what I would say to you is that is true. Uh, a few weeks ago, he said, breathe light and take the apparatus out of your mouth. I was like, I can't do that. He said, exactly. Let me do it for you. I mean, I thought I was going to choke, choke to death back here. You You... Even it takes God's grace to actually perform for us as first mover to do this for us. But what we want to do is present something to you, where you would you would say, "I, I hear what they're saying," and I'm willing to acknowledge this. This all all we need to do is acknowledge that. I don't know. <laughs> the faster you acknowledge that, pride comes out, the resistance goes away, and God's grace comes to minister to you and open your eyes up to the heavens. It works just like that. Like My perception's been, I'm going to acknowledge my perception maybe has been off. And what i ask you to do right now, because I believe the Holy Spirit's going to do this for you, because he does this way with me, he'll just go into a particular situation. It's probably sitting in your subconscious somewhere and it may be bothering you. And you've been looking for a way to resolve it and you just can't get resolution. And, and here, here, I just want to come to an acknowledgement that first of all, I've done everything that I can do there's nothing left that I can do, and then what we're going to do is we're just going to transfer our trust over to the Lord, and then what we want to do is get into this mode every day. I'm just like this is life, this is daily life. Sometimes Karen and I I's like she's like we're having to do this like all the time constantly redirect, constantly redirecting, constantly having to redirect because my perception's off. I mean, um, a constant redirection back to him. And and what can happen is you begin to gaze (laughs) at him, the beautiful one. You just begin to gaze at him. And so it's not, oh, I got to keep redirecting. It's just what happens is Start to live in His presence every day. You wake up in the morning in His presence. You go to bed in His presence. Something's trying to tell you, and you're just like, No, your presence, Lord. And then you start to see miracles. Watch them with your own eyes. Reveal the power of the Lord Jesus coming in to solve the issues you can't solve. I'm telling you, there's some people in here right now. You need a breakthrough. And the Lord made us this way, and it's got, I've done all I can do. Okay? I transfer my trust over to you, Lord, I'm gonna let go. And another way to say this is I've caught and I've released. I'm gonna release, I'm gonna release this on to you. Cast all your cares on the Lord. He says, For I care for you. You know, I, I called the person, I tried to make this happen, I moved this, this direction, I tried to make this happen this way, and I've done everything I know to do. Good. All right, now stand and see the salvation of your Lord. What's your promise today? Like, what is it? A promise He gave you. You're standing maybe for someone. You're standing there and you just. I know what it is. You know, if I could just find proof that they would return love back to me, I would know that. But maybe not. Maybe not. I stand. Stephen said this years ago. The Lord said, Who told you you were naked? I stand completely vacant right now, can't make anything happen. You know I can't do it, Lord, and I'm just going to acknowledge that right now. I have no power to affect the change in that heart. I have no power to fix this problem. I can't get this moved this way. I can't change this, and I'm just going to say, out of your presence, Lord, I need you to come through. I would say a lot of you in here, I can... I sense this from the Spirit. A lot of what we're dealing with is family. I think a lot of you in here right now, what I'm hearing the Lord say to me, you're dealing with family-related issues. There are some health needs here, but mostly what we're dealing with is relationships. And if I interjected myself into this situation, I could solve it. If I if I sent a card, or I made this one other thing right, or I did this, it would finally resolve it. And and you've done all that, but you're saying to the Lord this morning, I can't do it. I just want to admit to you, Lord, that I can't do it, and the Lord says, let me have it. Are we going to transfer it over? It seems impossible. How could my family be restored to you? How could this person beside me or this situation, this, it's been like this for years. There's no way let's all stand together Um, hey we're coming to a close here hey but don't miss this moment for your family and the situation you're in don't miss it I know we've had a very extensive meeting I, I understand but don't miss this moment with me just for a minute I hear me hear me hear me it's because I did these things in the past that's what's causing this to be broken hear me hear me well I ask you Holy Spirit right now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I just want to release off of you corporately guilt I, I want to take it off of you the Lord wants to take it off of you somehow what I did has caused all this we, I've already confessed that I've already said I already said it to the Lord but I'm still hanging guilt still trying to rain itself down on my soul. And it's trying to tell me that, and listen, this is a trap of the enemy. I just released guilt off of this house right now. It's trying to entrap because if, if you get into guilt, your perception will be rejected. And if you get into rejection, you'll pull back and draw back. And the Lord wants you to... I can't go and tell... I can't go and tell them how much I love them. They'll just think I'm trying to um, say something wrong. And I can't move out in love before because they're already holding me in a liability. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Go tell them again. Yeah, you can. You can say, I love you. And it can pierce their soul. You can go back again. You don't have to deal with guilt anymore. And I just also... A fear can come over us about the future and our shame. And the Lord just wants to take shame off of all of us. These are great hindrances. Shame is based in what I can do. It's based in my own human strength, what I can bring to the table. I just just want to release that off of us this morning. And so we're not on living guilt and shame. We're not on living past and in, in, in the future. We're going to live right now before the Lord.
1: an act of faith this morning. I want you to
0: raise your hand. Listen, you say, I believe your promises, Lord. I'm going to believe right now. I'm just going to raise my hand to say, I believe. i just saying, Lord, I believe. I'm going to make a simple declaration of faith (laughs) for y'all's boy. I'm believing with you and your daughters. But I stand here as someone who covenants with you that believes. I believe. I believe. I believe, Lord. I believe. I believe, Lord. I believe. I believe. I believe for our families to be restored. I'm not backing out. I believe, Lord. community together as a family. say this to you and we were just discussing this the place of your greatest pain you know the snakes had come up and Jesus presented us and they killed all, all of those people because of the rebellion it was also the place of their greatest victory what's caused you the most pain will be the place where you will find your victory What's hurt you the most is the place of your success. Where you've been wounded the most is where God will reign victorious. They submitted, Dan, Dan is the, the symbol of the snake. They, they submitted all their judgments up on a tree. God, the Father, displaying his kindness towards us poured out the cup of fury of his wrath on his son for us on the judgment tree all the judgment's been settled all the perception has been settled in jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to you.